you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 186th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www. IIRSportsOneWord.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. My highlight of the week is LeBron James last night showing the world against the Golden State Warriors that he is still the best player in the world. And the road to the NBA title may very well go through Cleveland this year. It reminded me of his epic performance in Game 6 versus the Celtics a couple years ago when the Miami Heat were down 3-2 uh, to two, and the Celtics had a chance to take him out. And LeBron simply had one of the great performances I've ever seen in person in my life. I was covering the game. And he had well over 40 points and just completely dominated it. Everybody will remember that game, I'm sure. In my mind, that was the night LeBron was born. uh, The LeBron as we now know him. And last night was really more of the same. Just a complete all-around domination uh, game and against the best team in the league so far, the Golden State Warriors. You know, not only did he score over 40 again, he, uh, he rebounded, played defense, dished assists, and just really uh, dominated that game in every fashion imaginable, uh, truly willing and leading his team to victory. And it was just special to see. I always enjoy watching special athletes do special things, and LeBron was all that and more last night. And it wasn't even the playoffs. I mean, it was a statement game, and he made a statement, and the Cavs are uh, clicking on all cylinders now, and the team that we thought they could be uh, looks like they're becoming. And they did that trade a few weeks ago that seemed to plug in all the holes that were missing from their sporadic performance thus far this season. And uh, now suddenly they appear to be a force to be reckoned with. And again, last night they really served notice, uh, led by, of course, LeBron. My low light of the week was the court storming out in Manhattan, Kansas, when Kansas State beat Kansas the iconic Kansas Jayhawk basketball program and team. And I saw a court storming at BC a few years ago, and 
they're scary. I was right there in the arena when it happened. They were playing Duke, and it's only a matter of time till something really bad happens. And I actually thought that this thing, this court storming, would basically come to an end. Uh, you may remember a couple years ago, I believe it was after a Maryland-North Carolina State game where uh, I believe a student from NC State was in a wheelchair and was knocked over or out of his wheelchair in a court storming. And I got a lot of publicity at the time, and I thought, for sure, that's it. It's over. We've seen the end of court stormings. Obviously, it hasn't happened. The unique thing about this court storming, and I was watching it live when it happened on, I believe, Monday night, was uh, how instantaneous it occurred. I mean, I've never seen a faster or quicker court storming occur the moment that game ended in Kansas had, you know, the game in hand, so the students had some time to, to gather at the sidelines around the court, but within an instant of the end of that game, that court was completely stormed, covered, uh, as we all saw in the film with Bill Self, the Kansas coach, being pinned against uh, like the scorer's table. Brent Musburger, broadcasting the game live, immediately remarked that uh, you know he was surrounded and, and that type of thing. Uh, later film showed that a Kansas State student, uh, chicken-winged, as they say, which is elbowed a Kansas player, can only imagine where that could have led to. And uh, so, yeah, I just think uh, they, they need to be outlawed. Something really, really, really bad is just inevitably going to happen, these things. Fraught with danger, as they say. And the SEC has it right. They do not allow it. And, uh, you know, I don't think anybody's uh, worse off for not seeing SEC games end in court stormings. So you may remember I'm up here in Boston, uh, the famous 1984 Game 7 victory by the Celtics over uh, the L.A. Lakers and Magic in the Garden to win the championship. And there was a court storming then. You never see it in the pros anymore, but you did then in the old Boston Garden and take-home image that everybody will remember was Larry Bird just like running over people, just swatting them to the side with elbows flailing the whole bit, and Bird was just determined to get off that court immediately, and he did without, uh, you know, without worrying who got in his way. And uh, so, you know, maybe that had something to do with court stormings disappearing on the professional level pretty much. Although it's a different kind of fan, I totally get it's college students versus professional sports fans, that type of thing. I understand that completely. But again, fraught with danger, and it's just time for these things to end. Uh, when you see the opposing coach pinned against the scorer's table and another and an opponent, uh, visiting team, player after a loss, um, you know, getting elbowed by a student, you know it's, uh, it's, it's time to call it quits. My bizarre story of the week 
was two Chicago sports icons being injured, basically uh, in what seemed like moments uh, moments away from each other uh, on the same night, which is, of course, Derek Rose hurting his, uh, tearing his meniscus in the same right knee that he had torn it earlier. He's also had a left knee problem. And, of course, Patrick Kane, probably the best player in the National Hockey League this year and the leader of that team with, uh, you know, in two Stanley Cups. Uh, well, Jonathan Taze may be the leader, but Patrick Kane is, uh, you know, uh, equally important, shall we say. Uh, Kane is out for, it sounds like, six to ten weeks. He could easily not be back for the first round of the playoffs. And Derek Rose, what can you say? It's just sad. He is, uh, he's just a special player. And his game is built on explosiveness, which has obviously worn down his knees. And, uh, you know, so we'll see what happens mentally. I can only imagine what must be going through his mind. Although, good news Within the past half hour, as apparently had successful surgery this morning, and they're saying four to six weeks, uh, which means he could theoretically be back for the playoffs. Uh, and a lot of that will have to do with, you know, what, if any, mental toll did this most recent injury take on him, given how many games he's missed and the way he came back at his own pace, despite an avalanche of criticism, uh, both in Chicago and out, outside on... Uh, you know, why he wasn't playing and why he was taking so long to rehab from these knee injuries. So we'll see how that all pans out. And lastly, my event of the week that I attended was the Boston Bruins Vancouver Canucks hockey game on Tuesday night. Uh, very disappointing game. The Bruins fall, beat the Blackhawks on Sunday, six to two. They've been looking, they've been inconsistent all year and looking for a game to kind of get them going Everybody thought, that's it. They beat the Blackhawks in Chicago. And then they scored a goal on Tuesday night in the first minute against the Canucks. And then they were shut out the next 59 minutes by the backup goalie and lost the game 2-1 to one and very disheartened uh, Boston Garden crowd, to say the least. But it was fun to watch these two teams play. You know, the Sedin twins are still with the Canucks. Uh, a lot of people aren't, but it reminded, it, it was great uh, memory of that epic 2011 Stanley Cup final that they played, Vancouver and Boston, when we had Roberto Luongo talking about uh, needing his tires pumped, and of course, never, no one will ever forget the Bruins' Brad Marchand uh, whacking one of the Sedin twins, uh, right in the face in front of the goal, like peppering him with punches. And uh, so it was just good to see these two teams on the ice again. But again, the Bruins just can't seem to find an identity. And uh, they're in a race with the Florida Panthers and the Flyers to get that final playoff spot. They do have a couple-point lead on them. Given their championship pedigree, I think they're going to get there. Uh, but should be interesting. But again... Uh, everybody thought, you know, this is, this is it. They beat the Blackhawks and here we go, but not to be. 
So now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, Obama Magazine. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, Bama Magazine. And A.P., how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, John. Pretty good. It's a bright, sunny day here in Alabama. It's, it's a pretty good temperature. I think it's 45 or 50 or so, and... Uh, yeah, I'm enjoying the day so far. Excellent. Well, for the first time in over a month, I can say it's a uh, bright, sunny day here in Massachusetts and uh, and above zero. And, uh, <laughs> and just to give you some context on the legendary winter we've had, or I should say month, I just saw the figures for the month of February. We got 64 inches of snow, 
The previous record was 41. I think that just about says it all. A couple extra feet in there, John. Exactly. We beat the beat the old record by two feet. I mean, that's just uh, startling. And I'm still looking out at, uh, you know, piles of snow that are higher than me. It's just that simple. And, oh, my uh, and, oh yeah. And, and, John, there's no signs of melting yet, right? No, last Sunday it was, you know, 39 degrees, which was like, you know, Everybody in here in Boston acted like it was spring break in college. <laughs> you know, I mean, this, literally, the streets and the roads were packed. It was a one-day deal. There was actual melting, but the melting just all it did was make, you know, 10 feet long icicles, 8 feet long. I mean, as you know, and then it plunged right back that night into below. We've been pretty much, you know, uh, lows, lows around zero throughout the week, and... Uh, Again, I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime, and I think just about everybody in Boston would agree, but it appears uh, we might get a couple lows here tonight, tomorrow night, again around zero or and uh, single digits. And then Sunday, it looks like it's going to break for the foreseeable future. No storms and lows in the 20s, highs in the 30s. And finally, it looks like maybe the pattern has broken, but it has been excruciating there is no other word i mean it's been a disaster on every level and you know it's obviously national news so i'm sure a lot of the listeners know exactly what i'm talking about this is not this is not a secret uh even though i'm live from the scene it has just been uh something to behold again uh, you know the month of a lifetime for sure and i know i'm i hope i'll never see anything like it again i don't think i will yeah, I hope not, Johnny. I've never heard of anything in that region. I mean, there's been some bad years where there's been over 100 inches, but 64 inches in a month uh, continuously. There's no reprieve. It must be very difficult to operate um, down the road and just living your life. Yeah, again, you know, not that I want to have a, our sports show become a weather show, but, you know, Roofs clearing, ice dams, you know, are now like, uh, let's just say they get more discussion than the Red Sox in spring training or, you know, the Patriots post-Super Bowl. It's the topic. And again, you know, beyond treacherous driving, it's still, you know, the snow banks are so high that, you know, whether you're driving on a main road and cars are pulling out too far because, you know, they can't see or whether you're one of those cars pulling out from a side road onto a more main road and you have to pull out too far because you can't see either way it's bad i mean it's really uh you know white knuckle driving every minute of every day and every mile you traverse is just uh you know awful i mean it's the most it's the trickiest driving i've ever seen you know again cars pull out and you don't know if they're gonna if they see you or if they're gonna pull out right in front of you. I've never seen anything like it, you know, nonstop. Yeah, that's Plus, that's, uh, that's treacherous. Oh, it's amazing, AP. Plus, I was in Charlestown when I went to the Bruins game on Tuesday night, and that's like inner city Boston, shall we say, the town, as the movie called it. And uh, <laughs> wow, it was my first look of you know inner city Boston and what they're dealing with. And by that, I mean, I'm talking triple deckers, thin streets, 
cars parked on both sides so there's just enough room for one car cars are buried snow piles are 10 12 14 feet high it was an incredible scene i mean again just driving in the neighborhoods of boston so to speak so uh anyway it's uh it looks like it's over for now uh and for the foreseeable future hopefully that's it the good news it's march 1st on Sunday, and, you know, daylight savings time next week, so hopefully the worst is behind us, and we can start to enjoy sports again rather than shoveling. And uh, and speaking of which, you wrote a great article uh, last that I just saw last night on potential bidders for the college football playoff national championship uh, starting in three years or taking bids this year for the game starting in what will be January of 2018. By that time, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, approaching Super Bowl for, you know, an American sporting tradition. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the story? Yeah, John, I, I know that the bidding process was in play, and I had some different contacts across the, the country at oh, I guess maybe 20-plus venues, and I, I was able to make contact and decipher that uh, this college football playoff, as you say, the Super Bowl, it's Super Bowl-like in the fact that it could be anywhere in America, the championship game for the college football playoff. And uh, I believe uh, when I saw Bill Hancock, executive director of the college football playoffs in Dallas, he mentioned something to the effect he wanted to see the games in, in everyone's backyard. So he, he, he's taking that literally. So one of the spots could be in the new dome that's going to be built, uh, finished by July 2016 in Minneapolis. So in the college football world, you know, the, the capital uh, in January could be in Minneapolis, could be in a place like Indianapolis. Even MetLife Stadium uh, there in New Jersey hosted the uh, – First cold weather Super Bowl outdoors. That that's a possibility. So uh, those are some of the areas that are very unique. And and then you have places that are, are going to be holding Super Bowls. Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, the, where the Forty ers uh, play that at their home field. They they're, they're going to be putting in a bid. And uh, you know San Antonio and of course the the names that you're always familiar with Miami and then. Uh, a couple of different names in Florida, Jacksonville, Orlando. They want to be participants. And, uh, you know, I, I believe probably it's going to be New Orleans and put in a bid, Atlanta, uh, possibly Houston. So it, it, it's going to be fun to be a college football fan and you're going to travel to places that, you know, for instance, if it's an SEC team, you know, not many times they're, they're, they would be traveling to Minneapolis to see a college football game. Exactly. Well, you obviously did a ton of research, reached out to a lot of people, very thorough article. And, you know, my first look at, uh, you know, anything in print talking about, you know, who's likely to get it. So just to set the stage, I mean, you and I were down in Dallas for the first ever college football playoff uh, national championship just uh, a couple of months ago here in and it was, of course, Ohio State beating Oregon next year. 
January 2016 will be uh, in Phoenix, Glendale, Arizona. And the year after that is already set for Tampa. So we're talking about bids for what will be January of 2018. You know, when I looked at your list, AP, uh, and we should actually just go over it, uh, but to me, the team most likely to get it, if I, if I was a betting man and had to place a bet, the place I would probably bet on would be Santa Clara, the new home of the 49ers, and the reason's pretty simple. You know, I, I don't, I know there's a few Florida cities bidding on it, Orlando, Jacksonville, Miami, as you just detailed, but I wouldn't think they would put it back in Florida the year after Tampa, number one, and it's already been in Dallas, so I think, you know, I don't know that they would have it, like, in San Antonio or Houston, and... Then I just can't help but think among the other bidders you list, you know, uh, the Rose Bowl uh, obviously has the Rose Bowl, and uh, and then and then the Superdome has the Sugar Bowl, and for that matter, the Miami has the Orange Bowl. So they're already, you you know, potentially. I don't, I haven't worked out who's hosting semifinal games that year and who's not, but it's rotating as we both know, and. Uh, so, again, when I look at that list and, you, you know, I guess maybe that's who I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for if I eliminate the ones I just said. And then as far as the cold weather sites, I mean, Minnesota is getting a new stadium, as we know, and I think the 2018 Super Bowl might be there. I'm not sure, but I know there's one upcoming. Pretty sure it's Houston and San Francisco next year. And I think Houston 2017, I'm pretty sure Minnesota 2018. So that, you, you know, hosting the college football playoff national championship and the uh, Super Bowl a month apart, that could be tricky. Indianapolis, I was there for the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl week as I was in New York. Both cold weather sites that both uh were luckier than lucky as the weather gods smiled on both cities. Indianapolis was awesome. You could walk around in the 50s all week. And then New York, we all know the story. It was, you know, cold that week. But on game day, it was spectacular. And then the next day was an absolute vicious, paralyzing snowstorm the day after the Super Bowl when the Seahawks beat the Broncos. So that's my analysis of your excellent article if I, again, if I was a betting man right now and I put it all together, if I, I guess if I'm the guy choosing, and we talk, we were in press conferences with Bill Hancock, the head of the CFP, when he was talking about they were taking bids this year and stuff, and this is going to go on for a while. Um, I think they're going to choose maybe in September. But if I'm if I'm the guy picking, uh, San Francisco is looking pretty good to me as just a good way to spread it out. Although I could see Atlanta as a strong second. And again, this is just factoring in geography, where it's been, that type of thing in those first three years. Yeah, John, I think um, those are three intelligent uh, choices. You know, in the West Coast, you take that San Francisco area, maybe you put it in Atlanta one of those years, and then you maybe go up north, Indianapolis, uh, Minneapolis the other year. And everybody gets a little taste of the college football championship. Exactly. You know, it's, uh, 
you know, cold weather outdoors can be tricky. I mean, you know, to me, I think the game this year was January 12th. So it's always going to be basically the second Monday night in January, I believe. Um, you, you never know. And I'm sitting here in the snowiest February in the history of Boston. But, you know, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl's in, in February. And February, not this year in Boston, of course, but, you know, it can be real tricky going outside. Uh you know, like they did in New York, which was in February versus the first week of January, you're typically, in most years, more likely to have snow, I believe, and, you know, and cold in early January than you will in February. So the fact it's a month earlier than the Super Bowl could come into play, but uh, Indianapolis and obviously Minnesota are going to be, you know, is Indy, Indy's a dome and Minnesota will be. But yeah, you know, but cold weather Super Super Bowls, I mean, they're, you know, they're, let's just say they're not a big fan favorite, put it that way. Right, right. You do have to sell the idea of keep the people, uh, you know, informing them that the game is inside, so that day will be perfect. But as far as the, the, the festivities going, ongoing, Around the game, you're going to have to bring those warm weather, I mean, you know, cold weather coats and all those, all the gear that goes along with keeping warm. So, yeah, but, but uh, you know, that that's kind of to satisfy, you know, the area up in the Big Ten and and you know a little bit of that Big Twelve country too. You know, Nebraska's up that you know, that way. So, and they're, you know, they're in the they're in the Big Ten. You know, on the Big Twelve team, but you. You, you can uh, smooth that over, I think, but just by just saying we're trying to get it to all the different regions of the country, and we're, we're not trying to be gluttonous and have all the games in warm weather sites. Oh yeah, I, I agree. Well, AP, it's hard to believe time for our break already. Uh, I, I still want to cover a few more points with this uh, on this topic and your story. So why don't we take our break now? But we'll continue on this on the other side. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. 
You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, and we've been talking about A.P.'s excellent story that was published yesterday on cities that may be bidding for the 2018 college football playoff national championship game. First one was in Dallas six weeks ago. Next one in Phoenix. Next one after that, January 2017, is in Tampa. And AP, uh, just to take my point a little further as to why I think San Francisco could be a strong candidate is two things, really. Just, uh, you know, that Super Bowl 50 next February is going to be in San Francisco, so they're There'll be a blueprint for the city and the Silicon Valley to follow if they indeed land the CFP National Championship. And, uh, and just the weather. You know, the weather in Dallas was pretty cold, as you and I well found out uh, a mere six weeks ago. And so cold it was the topic. I mean, you couldn't stop talking about how cold it was. And they had that cold Super Bowl a few years back. And uh, so that, to me... Uh, the cold is going to be fresh in the minds of the selection committee picking the city. And uh, so I think they could both be factors that would, again, favor San Francisco. I think, John, that's a good supposition that you don't want the weather to be any part of the story of the college football playoff championship this next uh, cycle. So I I agree. I, I think that that San Francisco area has to be a favorite since it's a fairly new stadium. They'll have the trial run with the 50th anniversary of the Super Bowl. So those are all things I believe that'll favor that area. We shall see. You know, what we do know is the next two are in warm weather sites, Phoenix and Tampa. And, uh, and, you know, it's exciting to think about. Again, it's being handled, you know, it's going to be bid out like Super Bowls are and uh, awarded to cities and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, I really did find a lot of the cities and stadiums that you mentioned to really be pretty fascinating to me, actually. I just thought that, uh, you know, and I have the story right in front of me. Uh, I can go down the list, or you may you know it better than me. If you want to just go down the list so our, re, our listeners are informed, that'd be great, because there were some others that we haven't haven't touched on. Yeah. For instance, um, San Antonio, uh, I believe they were in that first uh, bidding process. And so, you know, to, to, to be, to, to have Arlington be the, the side of the first, college football playoff, there was, there was a very slim chance that you're going to pick another city in Texas. But, you know, they could be in play for the second cycle, a place like San Antonio. 
for instance. And then you, you look at Charlotte and, you know, North Carolina in January, that that's not necessarily going to be a, a, a warm area. You know, there could be some temperature issues there. So they're, they're considering a bid. Uh, any place in Florida that has the capability to host the college football playoff, they're in play. I mean, you know, you know Jacksonville, uh, uh, Orlando, you know, they, they renovated their stadium and fixing their stadium. So they, they made a concerted effort to be part of this situation. And then, of course, uh, down in Miami, you know, they host the Orange Bowl. So, uh, you know, those are no-brainers, really. Uh, some of the other places that are listed on there, Pasadena, I mean, who doesn't want to go to Hollywood, right? California or Los Angeles. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, they, they hosted Super Bowls and the Rose Bowl. And so that's a, another top choice, I'm sure, uh, with the committee. Uh, I'm trying to think if I, I left out someone else here, John, uh, in a list. Oh, that, oh, here's another place uh, uh, on that list of possibilities, maybe Nashville. You know, they're, they're interested. They, they want to get into this, this game of uh, hosting college, college football. And, you know, they have all these things to offer with the Music City tag. So there's a lot of entertainment. They're used to having big crowds and having a lot of people. And, you know, the visitors and convention bureau, they're an active group, I'm sure, in this participation. You know, it's a combination of your, your city leaders and your tourism departments and the stadium itself. It's a, it's a uh, ensemble decision and, and effort. Uh, Yes, well, you know, a couple of those I find extremely interesting. Number one, the Alamo Dome, I know very well. I've spent maybe more time in that stadium than any other stadium in my life this side of Gillette, given my coverage of the U.S. Army All-American Bowl and a lot of games around that, uh, you know, in recent years. And then... uh, but yeah, North Carolina, I felt that, you know, Charlotte, the Panthers Stadium as an interesting choice. One thing I didn't mention that's really worth mentioning when I said Atlanta could be a strong second given geography, big city. They ha- they're going to have a new stadium by then, uh, which which you cannot you cannot overstate the importance of that. Uh, so I, I would put Atlanta as a really strong second. I mean, it's... Yes. Uh, let's face it. That's where the new. That's where the College Football Hall of Fame just moved to, right? Right. I mean, and John, not only a good point that you mentioned the College Football Hall of Fame. It's in the middle of SEC territory and ACC territory. You could satisfy two different conferences. Really, Atlanta has that airport. Everybody has to go to Atlanta to get to the South, right? That's the old the standard uh, joke. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I think Atlanta. They're probably in there pretty strong to, to host that college football playoff, considering those factors. Yeah, I think it would be very strong. Uh, I will say this, though, you know, and we've been watching it all week here, and, uh, you know, the weather in the South, can you imagine? And I know the game is played the second Monday of January, but, you know, what's happening down South this week is entirely capable of happening in the second weekend of January on any given year. I mean, let's face it, you know, they're paralyzed. Uh, you know, they, they just can't handle it. 
And even though Boston can handle it, we couldn't handle what we had right. this record month. Uh, you know, I mean, power outages, you know, the South is just paralyzed at this moment. If that ever happened, uh, it, it would be an epic disaster, to put it mildly. Yeah, Mother Nature can hold you hostage, John, very quickly. Exactly right. And again, I guess my only point is, you know, if the college football playoff people were picking their 2018 game this week, I would think they would be scared to death to put it in the South based on everything we're seeing. <laughs> I mean, it's, the, you know, it's so bad it knocked Boston off the lead story on the national evening news, put it that way. So, you know, the whole, the whole area is, again, just paralyzed down there and uh you know uh that said you know it's just the uncertainty i mean you, you know one thing you you know you know that in san francisco you're not going to be buried in snow that you can count on yeah you know, pretty, pretty much yeah yeah when you when you see nine or ten inches in alabama and it's snowing in mississippi and uh the carolinas and you know, Arkansas and Louisiana, those places, it's it's mind-boggling because I don't know about you, John, I just can't remember in my lifetime seeing that much amount of snow in some of these states. Exactly. And and that said, what's it like in Alabama? You're there. I mean, I, I don't know that I've heard Alabama mentioned as one of the states that's been just pummeled here in the last week or 10 days down south. But how has it been in Alabama? Pretty cold at minimum, right? Yeah, it's been pretty cold. I mean, I'm further south, and where all that snow is falling. But they did have a state of uh, emergency. That the, I think the governor declared up in North Alabama. I think some places had nine or ten inches, and I know, for instance, they had the state high school basketball tournament in Birmingham that had to push that out a day or so. And uh, look around, Mother Nature's gift. Yes, uh, Mother Nature's gift. Well said. Well, yeah, you're you're closer to the Gulf of Mexico, and this has been more what I'll call mid south or upper south. But you know, I guess my bottom line as we close out this segment would simply be AP, and you would know. You talk to the people, but you know, until this thing gets a few years under its belt, like real momentum, five or more years, uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they kind of play it safe to prevent even any chance, if you will, of, you know, something crazy happening like what happened in Atlanta for that Super Bowl probably 20 years ago. An ice storm froze this, you know, paralyzed the city, Dallas, a few years back. Uh, it may have been cold, you know, six weeks ago when we were there, but it was a whole lot worse for that Super Bowl back uh, uh, when the Steelers and Cowboys, or excuse me, Steelers and uh, Packers played, so... I bottom line, I, I think they're probably going to play it safe. And to me, the safest on that list looks like San Francisco, barring you know a Florida city, because they're going to be in Florida, Tampa, 2017. Uh, so we shall see. It should be fun. Yeah, I can't wait, John. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Yes, that's going to be big news when they award it. Uh, do you? Final question before we go to break. Do you, are they just going to award, like, one game, or are they going to award a couple of different years coming up this year? No, as I recall, uh, conversations with Bill uh, Hancock in Dallas, all three will be awarded. 
So they're going to, wow. So they've got the next two. Then they're going to award, when they announce that they're going to award three more years. The three years, they'll, they'll, they'll make the decision on the, the 18, 19, and 20 all at once. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Well, great story once again. I really enjoyed reading it. It's fun to think about. And, uh, but it's time for our break, and I know you're sticking around, and we have a, I want to talk a little combine on the other side, AP. flagship station for sports voice america sports now you can take your favorite voice america radio program with you anywhere sign up for our mobile app if you have an iphone android or blackberry the voice america interactive radio player powered by aircast gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere live and on demand no registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And before we get back together with A.P., my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is, and I'm going to break from tradition here, for the first time in 186 shows, I'm not going to pick a sports event since it's a quiet sports weekend, but uh, my appointment viewing is going to be House of Cards, released today on Netflix, all 13 episodes, the entire season worth. And last year, when they released season two, I did the only binge-watching experience of my lifetime, where I watched 13 episodes over the course of the opening weekend when they released it a year ago this time. And, uh, uh, of course, we had a nor'easter then, so we were snowed in. It was easy to do, but uh, uh, can't wait to watch. Again, it released by Netflix today and with Kevin Spacey, and it's my favorite show on all of television so can't wait to do that for my appointment viewing but ap are you a netflix fan or a, a house of cards watcher by any chance no no i haven't seen it but i know all the productions with kevin spacey are usually 
very well done. He, he's an interesting uh, actor, and he, he always commands a lot of attention when he's on the screen. Yes, uh, it's if you have a chance, I think you'd enjoy it. It's really different. It's unique, and the way they release it's obviously different. I mean, I suddenly have available to me 13 hours of television as of today uh, <laughs> uh, for me and millions like me must see TV. So I, you know, I, I like it just because it's different. And uh, yeah, so looking forward to that. But I did want to talk about the Combine and what struck me was Jameis Winston. I simply had forgotten how charismatic he is. You know, it just seems like He's been burdened in all of his press conferences by all his off-field issues. So, you know, uh, hadn't seen the kid that kind of burst on the scene with a big personality, a well-known locker room leader, beloved by his teammates. And then it was just really for two years, nonstop off-field issues. So he's always defending himself. And now he's clearly turning a new page. You know, he's going to the NFL. And wow. I just thought, again, the way he filled up the screen, the room, his statements, amazing. What do you think? Yeah, John, I think people that what they, sometimes they, they fail to realize is the fact that Jameis Winston, when he's around a bunch of his peers, he's like the Pied Piper, and they all follow him and you know, pay attention, uh, you know, into his direction. So he you know, has a commanding presence. And, of course, athletically and uh, on the field, he's very good. So you got to watch him play the game of football and not have to be concerned about all the other distractions. He's able to compartmentalize <clears throat> any off-the-field issues and concentrate on the moment at hand and play the game of football, which he, he loves. Yeah, well said, you know, and, and clearly the compartmentalized part of it has been so key as, you know, he basically never lost a game till his final one. He won his first 29, I believe. But, you know, again, it was just like I forgot who he was. You know, I think we all did. I, I, and I assume he's now free and clear of all those troubles. Uh, you know, who can keep track, right? But, you know... I think right. he is, you know, as I last remember, and he's turning the page, he's going to the NFL, and he's not playing baseball, and uh, focusing on football, and again, you know, and, and not excusing his transgressions down at Florida State, but it was just interesting to see a guy, to, you know, that I remembered from when he first came on the scene, and then watched how, you know, his teammates supported him, you know, through all these off-field issues. And then, lo and behold, the guy that I remember just showed up for the first time in two years at the Combine. And by showed up, I mean his personality it was just, you know, I mean, he was funny and interesting. I watched a thing with on NFL Network with him and Marcus Mariota talking to some of the announcers, some of whom, of course, former NFL players, and it was just, it was great banter. It really was. Yeah, he's a very engaging personality, and he, he just it seems to be always looking 
forward and, and not dwelling on his mistakes of the past. And I think he verbalized as such in his opening statement and he acknowledged his, his mistakes. But now it's up to, it's really up to him if he, you know, he's talking the talk and if he can walk the straight and narrow, it's really up to him to, to you know, he wrote that, you know, like they used to say on the field, you know, his, his mouth uh, wrote a check that hopefully is behind can cash. Right, exactly. Well, based on what I saw, and, you know, I have no doubts in my mind that the Tampa Bay uh, Bucks are going to choose him as their number one pick. I have no doubts whatsoever he'll be number one overall, and it'll be the Bucks picking him. What do you think? I think so. I, I have that sense. Um, since he's played in the state of Florida, and I think he's—he probably is the better. I think he is the better quarterback than Marcus Mariota. I agree. And, uh, and I don't think a, a person like—I think a person like Lovey Smith, and he—he's not just going to shy away from that big personality. And uh, I, I think he'll select Mar- uh, James Winston over Marcus Mariota. Yeah, I mean the Bucks need a big personality. They just do. I mean, you know, yeah. they're oh, in a football oh, yeah. hotbed. Well, and, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. Uh, just they're in a football hotbed, and if they get a you know a quarterback with a personality like that, that's staying out of trouble and you know doing good things on the field, which I think most of us agree he will. You know, they they need a face of the franchise. They just do. Oh, oh yeah, they, they. I mean, when you think of Tampa Bay, I mean, I don't know what player comes to mind, but it, when if you draft Jameis Winston, there's no question uh, what'll pop into the, the the heads of people when you, when Tampa Bay flashes across the screen. They'll be thinking about the quarterback from Florida State, Jameis Winston. Yeah, not to mention that he has uh, Mike Evans, the fabulous rookie from Texas A&M, who had a fabulous rookie year and. Uh, I'm not sure if Vincent Jackson's still there, but if he is, you're talking some big-time, big receivers uh, right off the bat for him to throw to. Yes, I mean, I think he even mentioned Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston mentioned Vincent Jackson the other day. Yeah, I mean, you're talking two of the bigger receivers in the league. Uh, That would be a dream for any rookie quarterback to come in and be able to throw to those two big targets, and they're all—they're both very talented to boot. Oh yeah, he'll be designated the starter. I'm sure. I'm sure, probably immediately. Exactly. Well, AP, hard to believe we've come to the end of our show yet again. Great talking with you on college football playoff and the combine, and thank you as always for calling in and giving us your great perspective. Well, thank you very much, John. It's always my pleasure. I look forward to next week. All right. Thank you, AP. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.